What's up, everybody? I'm Owen Spelnick. My name's Cole Connor. And this is episode two of the Panther Pod. So we're back after kind of a 50 50 week for both of us. It's been a rough week here on the Panther Pod for both of us. Um, <laughs> Pharaoh did excellent. Freaking whipped Averett. Now, 100%. Now, they had a little bit of a comeback in the fourth quarter, which was which was decent. It made for a good game. It, oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it was a super competitive game throughout, but for Averett to go out and respond like that gives me a lot of hope for that program this season. Ooh, I don't want excuse hope me. for that program. And I don't want hope for that program. Stop. We <laughs> want it to be good, though, because if it's replacing the Kirkwood Road Classic, yeah. which after that game – <laughs> For all intents and purposes, it is. It's the Battle of the South now, man. <laughs> it's the Battle of the freaking South, baby. Ooh, I, that was, oh, uh, it like, but no, it was a it, it was a great game, and, you know. Yeah, I mean, when your defense has three takeaways, mm-hmm. um, really early on, when you have defensive linemen running ninety yards. Uh, back with a pick, that just shows great awareness across your entire defense. Well, great awareness from. Uh, it was the it was the defensive end who caught it, but it no, it was the lineman who caught it, but the defensive end who who deflected it. Mm-hmm. So first of all, great deflection, but also for the eyes of the D lineman to go up and just over his shoulder catch it and run it back for ninety yards. Oh, one hundred percent. I was telling Cole before the show that was probably the slowest interception I've ever saw, but it was the loudest that crowd was at. I mean, hey, and by the way, what a showing for Ferrum and Averett fans. I mean, oh, both. Oh, for sure. That was a packed house. That was a, that felt like a college game right there. Like, everybody was pumped for that. And I think it was just pumped for the fact that football's back. You know? Oh, yeah. Football's back, baby. Oh, yeah. So, it's great. And we'll get more into the, a little bit more of a recap later on. But we're going to go into our open segment now. And sticking with college football, I have a freaking pet peeve. And I have my notes down here. I mean, you go ahead and pull up those notes. I hate the targeting call. Mm-hmm. I hate it's it's gotten out of hand. It's gotten completely out of hand because now instead of it being holding, which is not a judgment call or uh, off off size, although if you ask the Big Twelve refs, it is <laughs> that is a judgment call. Um, it very well could be <laughs> reverting back to the Big Twelve championship game last year, but <clears throat> yeah. Matt Campbell lost his mind in that game. Oh, for sure. I don't blame him though. I mean, no. like, I mean, if you have that clear of uh, judge bad judgment of the refs, you would lose your mind. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, um, I have two games, and the one you're probably thinking about, it's going to be the second one I talk about. So, you're probably thinking Ole Miss and Louisville Monday night. They had a targeting call for e- like one targeting call for each quarter. When you think it's like, okay, that's four targeting calls. That's not that bad. But when Four of them all came in the same quarter within less than 10 minutes of each other. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, not in less than 10 minutes. Probably it was it, it, was, it was probably give or right say. around 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, closer probably like 12, 13. Something like that. Yeah. It took about an entire quarter. But anyways, so the first one I want to get to is Boise State and UCF. This was a game that was late, late, came on late. Either, oh, it was Thursday or Friday night, possibly Saturday night. Um, it was on late. Boise was punt. Okay, I can't remember who was punting. I think Boise was punting and UCF was returning. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. UCF was punting. Boise was returning. Boise was returning. The returner, the uh, 
does not call for a fair catch on the Boise side. Does not call for a fair catch. So that gives him every right. If he's going to sit there and you're oh 100%, you're, you should expect to get laid out. Yeah, in that situation. Uh, absolutely. So he, didn't, he does not. He does not call for a fair catch. UCF's player goes in, makes a great tackle. Doesn't quite lay him out, but he could have if he wanted to. And this is where it was at. This is where it was wrong. It was a low ball. He catches it, and it's already low. Well, you're taught to attack the football. Yeah. Well, it's really hard when the football's in your chin. Yeah. I mean, you you want to get uh, a takeaway ultimately when you're playing defense. If That's you, the ultimate goal of the drive is to force your opponents to either punt it um, or force a fumble, cause an interception, anything like that. You want that as a defensive play. And all fairness, no. You know what? I'm not even going to be nice about it. It was a dumb call. It was a dumb call by the referee. It was a very dumb call. I can, I get it. Like, I see under the statute limitations or laws or whatever. You don't want these players to get hurt. But that is totally fine. There needs to be a little bit more leeway, uh, especially when it's close cases like that, because you know he wasn't trying to hurt him. He was trying to get the ball out, sure, but he wasn't actively pursuing him to injure him. No, no. They, they, they want to hit hard, yes, but they're not going to sit over here and try to, like, break somebody's leg. Now, some players are dirty, and they're going to try to do that anyways. But, no, it's not – I mean – it was just a. It was a good hit, but because he lowered the head and hit and hit the defender or hit the the the, um, the punt returner with a with the crown of his helmet, flags come out. I mean, they were all over the field and just said targeting and, and ejected him. And see, and and that I think I would be okay with targeting if it were not for the for the ejection. If it's not for the injection, I don't think we'd be having this conversation. If well. And here's the thing, as an LSU fan, I'm not going to talk about this game's week or uh, this week's game uh, until a little bit. You can tell how sad I am just because of how much I'm messing up the words. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as an LSU fan, what brings targeting into question for me uh, was in the LSU championship game. One of the Clemson linebackers, I believe his name was uh, James Skalski, something like that, uh, number 47 came at Joe Burrow right around the goal line before we were before it was a sure thing, um, targeted, allegedly, and was ejected. To me, it looked like a clean tackle. I know in the Ohio State game a week before, Clemson had two or three players on their defense get ejected because of that. Yeah. It's granted this was a few years ago. Yeah. Um, the rule has definitely been reworded since then, but I still think it is very prevalent in today's NCAA. Um, and I get it. You don't, like I said earlier, you don't want these players to get hurt, but at the same time, there needs to be a little bit more leeway. Yeah. Well, like my dad was telling me, he said when he was growing up, you hit it, you, you lowered the head and you hit them, wrapped them up. That's the way football is played. That's the way hard hitting defense is. That's what you want. Because yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and just bump them, try to bump him and get him to fall down. Yeah. That's not football. It's soft. It's soft, and it's just not. You know, it's not. It just that one really irritated me when I watched it because I was like, "There's that's no way. There's no way." Now let's get to Ole Miss and Louisville. 
that was some soft crap right there. The refs, I mean, even Lane Kiffin, oh my gosh, he was hilarious. I know for those Tennessee fans, you don't like Lane Kiffin. but I get it. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but no, and it was so funny because in the halftime interview he did, he said, I'd really love for the refs to tell us how to tackle and teach our kids how to tackle because obviously we don't know what we're doing. And I thought it was, I thought it was so funny for the fact that that was what he is because he, he's right. Yeah, he's right for two now. So he's right. So on the first targeting call, Louisville's Louisville's uh, quarterback is running. He scrambles with the football. He lowers his head first, or the or the defensive lineman lowers his head. Well, or no, linebacker lowers his head. Louisville's quarterback lowers their head. He's going to try to run through the tackle, and the linebacker's going to try to tackle him. They've both got it lowered to get a better angle at attacking, at attacking football. You know, he's lowered and got the football tucked, so that way he doesn't pop it out, but also he can run through the tackle. Those shoulder pads and that helmet's there for a reason. It ain't rugby. You know, the, we have come so far in technology-wise with the football helmets, and it's ridiculous that a call like this is now getting players kicked out of the game. You could see it. Like, after he got ejected, this man was in tears. Yep. I mean, devastated. They're just, you know, they're, they're, they're college players. It's it's just so frustrating that that is what, you know, that is what it's come down to. It's like, th this is ridiculous. Because in that moment, if the linebacker tackles him with his head up, he either breaks his neck or he loses the tackle. Or oh, both. 100%. Or both. I mean, once you start trying to tackle safely, um, you lose any kind of integrity in that tackle. You can't tackle someone by just, that would be like me reaching over to Owen right now, grabbing him and trying to pull him down by a shirt. It might work. It's not going to 100% of the time, especially when you get strong college running backs like uh, Derek Henry. Or trying, Ezekiel Elliott when yeah. he was running for Ohio State, you know? Yeah, you're not going to do that. Or Saquon. Like, there is no way you are going to bring a college running back or a strong, like, rounded fullback. If they back. If, if they were going to use a fullback, you know? No. You have to wrap them up and bring them down to the ground. Exactly. And it's not, like, I, I get it, it's for safety. But in that in that instance, if he doesn't, if he keeps his head up to tackle him, he breaks his neck and he loses the tackle. Absolutely. Or, or one or the other. Absolutely. You know? And so that that peeved me. It peeved me and Dad because we were watching it, and we were like, "That's that's soft football. That's that's soft football, and that's a judgment call. I hate yeah. judgment calls." The rules are rules for a reason. Mm -hmm. It it should be blind. They really need to rework the targeting call. And it, if it is targeting fifteen yards, I think that would be a lot. It would be more appropriate. And then at the second or third instance, um, that could be something where we could go for it. Um, but, you know, for the targeting call, Joel Clapp put it out, and he said something like that of, like, first targeting call, all right, 15 yards. Second targeting call, 15 yards and an ejection. Yeah. You know, then that's – that's fine. I'm okay with that. You get two. But the fact that you're just going to toss this guy out, like, if he's going to get called for targeting, he's probably going to try not to do it again. Yeah, it's going to get him a second chance, you know? It's going to ultimately affect the players in the long term because they're not going to want to hit us all because they want to stay in the game. Mm -hmm. Now, the one where Ole Miss's quarterback, he slid, 
and then the two guys went after him. That yeah, that was no, tar- that's, that's targeting is for calls like that. And but that's but I get it for Louisville's coach because that's happened to West Virginia before. It's how do you coach that? You don't know when that quarterback's going to slide, and when you're in the middle of trying to lower your head and make the tackle, he's already slid up under you, and that's where that crown to crown helmet hits. It's hard to teach that, but that's why the that's why yeah. the rules there. Absolutely. For, for instances like that, prevent injuries. I mean, it's it's a gray area where it really shouldn't be a gray area. Yeah, because of hard situations like that, where you know, honestly, it should be a little bit more black and white with it. It shouldn't be up to the refs at any given game or the replay um, officials. I like the that, re- that, that they they replay it like a touchdown. That's nice. Yeah. You know, well, any kind but, of replay review is always nice uh, because you don't just want one look at something, especially for something that could cause a player to not play in a game mm-hmm. or serve a suspension if he has multiple targeting calls. Yeah. Well. But anyway. But continuing with rules, let's talk about a new rule in the NFL. That's gonna. Uh, it's gonna make so many NFL fans mad. Honestly, so, I like I genuinely. Don't give two hoots about just because I don't watch NFL, but for the Saints fan over here. So, for those who don't know, towards the end of the Super Bowl, I believe it was um, one of the Buccaneers' corners um, basically flashed a peace sign. um, Or no, excuse me, it was the other way around. One of the Buccaneers' wide receivers flashed a peace sign at one of the Chiefs' cornerbacks. And I believe that was Tyran Matthew. Yeah, because he was trying to mock. He was trying to mock Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Um, the NFL has cracked down on ta- uh, taunting, and it'll now be what uh, I think it's a five or ten yard penalty. It's something small, but still, it should yeah. be a penalty. It should not look. Emotions are going to be high regardless at any kind of outcome in a football game. If you're getting blown out, ultimately. These players are still going to want to play with all kind of emotion. Um, I I think that the rule is stupid. <laughs> honestly, it, it, and I hate to be that blunt about it, but no, I, but it, I, I but really it is. It like, is. You want you take strides like making the celebration rule a thing, where you can do whatever you really want to. Um, to celebrate a touchdown, where's the representation for the defensive players? Like, if they make a great tackle or a sack or anything, you're telling me a defensive player can't flex, can't do anything like that? Well, that happened, that? that happened in a preseason game. I caught um, – what was it? It was – I think it was a Cowboys preseason game mm-hmm. with somebody. Uh, and he got a, running back. Yeah, yeah, he got up and he flexed and they threw the flag. And he's yep. like – it's – it, it's soft. again. This is soft football. Football is all about testosterone, yeah. ego. Like you want to flex. I think it's just soft. And yeah, it, shame on Roger Goodell for even letting that be absolutely. a, you know, for even that letting for that. Shame on Roger Goodell. Shame on the owners. Like absolutely. If you want to encourage celebrations to get more eyes on your product. I want to see celebrations. Like who does all of the insane dances you could possibly imagine. Or the Seahawks. They always came up with those yeah. wild team dances, you know. It might as well be high school football. Yeah. If you want to encourage that in mm-hmm. one aspect of the game, you need to encourage that across the board, in, in my personal opinion. 
But that's just me. I, I think it makes the game more fun. Um, like we said last week, get in the comments. If you want to talk about it, we will gladly talk about that. Kind of yes. stuff. The same thing goes for targeting. Yeah. It's it's something that, you know, I think a lot of football fans want to talk about, and it's something that we should talk about. Absolutely. Yeah, and you don't have to wait for when we post anything. Email us at PantherPod. Uh, you can email us at PantherPod at or PantherPod21 at gmail.com or uh, comment or DM us on Instagram or Twitter. Um, and we'll talk about it. We'll, you know, not call you out, but we'll, you know, we'll tell yeah. comments, mean, questions, concerns, anything. Yeah. We, we want an open conversation with our fan base. Our listeners, um, yeah. Or our listeners, yeah. Uh -huh. We, we want to talk to you guys. We want to be involved. Yeah. Soft, we, we're not here for soft, soft football. I'm here for like 80s, 90s football where it is just, I'm going to demolish that man on the other side of the ball. Absolutely. That's what those pads are there for. That's yeah. what the now I get it to a certain extent of like like the they talked about it on Pat McAfee the other day where like quarterbacks have to be a little bit easier with the crossing routes nowadays because yeah. you don't want to stick you don't want your wide receiver to get his head taken off by someone like Ray Lewis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, or, or um, Troy Polamalu or Bobby Wagner or somebody you yeah. know like they they they'll they'll, they'll snatch your soul. Um, so yeah, but with with NFL and talk week one comes up. Mr. Saints fan over here. Who they play this week? With Jameis Winston taking over the reins, I really think that the Saints could be something special this year if they give Jameis Winston enough time. If Sean Payton is cooperative and, you know, doesn't, as soon as Jameis Winston throws an interception, is like, ah, no, we want Taysom Hill instead. Like, if Sean Payton gives Jameis Winston enough time to get the offense under his control, I think it'll be a good thing. I mm -hmm. think uh, I think the Saints could easily make the playoffs. I'm not saying run to the Super Bowl, uh, just because it, it's it's not feasible. You just have to play fundamental football. Yeah, just I mean, if you play basic football, that'll take you a long way. Yeah, well, I mean, with Michael Thomas being out five to six weeks uh, due to injury and recovering from offseason surgery, uh, that's that's a whole thing. That's a whole <laughs> can of worms. I'm not even going to go into it. Uh, for all intents and purposes, Michael Thomas came back from injury last year uh, to try and win a ring with uh, Drew Brees. Uh, ended up hurting him quite severely. Uh, he kept on, he kept playing, and now the Saints organization is blaming him for not going to get his surgery. So it was at the behest of Sean Payton that he come back uh, and try and win a ring with Drew Brees since it was his last season. Things didn't work out. Now here we are without our number one wide receiver for uh, five to six weeks. At least it wasn't because of a stupid passing appearance call. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, so yeah, but so uh, so the Saints played the Packers this week. Who you uh, got on that one? I got the Packers. Yeah, I I have the Saints. Um, even though you gotta I stick just, with your own team. Even though I just said like wild card at best. Mm -hmm. I'm going to predict the Saints to go 16 and 0. Or 17 and 0 now, excuse me. I'm still used to I'm used to talking football in uh, 2019 terms. That is a long I'm just gonna say that right now. That is a long, long football season. Yeah. 17 and 0. All all it's 17 games is going to increase the injury rate. It's doing the exact opposite of what the NFL does. 
Like the NFL nowadays is all about, you know, targeting, like what we just said, cracking down on that. I didn't know they had targeting golf. Oh yeah. Oh interesting. Oh, see, I it don't watch doesn't. Them, so. It doesn't come up as much in the NFL as it does in college, mm-hmm. uh, mainly because these are professional. Yeah, but roughing the passer, everything like that. Yeah, judgment it, calls, judgment calls. Yeah, it's 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 going to increase injuries basically. Pretty much, and you know you get fatigued, especially when you have to play. Especially if you go into into the off season or not off season into the postseason. Yeah. Like, especially if you play postseason, and then, again, if you have to play on uh, Monday night or Thursday night football. Yeah. Like, it's it's just going to decrease turnaround and give your body less time to heal. Yeah. So, we'll see. It's going to be an interesting season, uh, for sure, for the Saints. Mm-hmm. Um, who, super early prediction, uh-huh. who do you have? And I know you don't watch that much, but who who is, give me one team from the AFC, one team from the NFC, one no. AFC, Bills. Really? I got the Bills because – so we have like our own fantasy league with a couple other buddies of mine. Mm-hmm. So each year we pick a college team, an NFL team, and we follow their um, their win – their um, – how do you – their wins and losses. Yeah, their win-loss. The, their win-loss, yeah. At the, uh, the record. The record. That's when I – I don't know why it's I'm okay. getting – It's okay, buddy. I'm here for it. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> but we – Follow their win loss record throughout the year. So this year, I picked the Bills and West Virginia, or the Bills and West Virginia. Shocking. Um, but I got the Bills from the AFC with Josh Allen and you know Cole Beasley. I think you know I think Josh Allen is he did well in the preseason, so I don't see why not. Um, NFC. I'm say I'm gonna go back to the Bucks. I think the Bucks. Buccaneers. You, st- you, st- you still got Tom Brady. You have that. nothing changed from that team last year. I think in the AFC it's going to be Chiefs Bills in the AFC Championship game. Uh, it could be Chiefs Browns. Like the Browns could make it all. Gosh, I never hear you. Never hear the end from Baker. No. Oh, I I'm here for it. I hate I Baker. Won. I hate Baker. Um, Baker Mania is running wild. In the um, dog pound. Yeah. No. Cleveland. They deserve it. Um, but realistically, I think the Chiefs, uh, I mean, they're besides the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Browns, possibly, who else is there to try, uh, challenge in the AFC? Like, you have the Titans with Derrick Henry, but for me... You need a better quarterback. Yeah. I mean, Ryan Tannehill was great last season, but you're adding on another year of fatigue to his body. Mm-hmm. How soon is he going to deteriorate? Is the biggest question for me. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, he's bouncing back for injury. He's going to be healthy in week one. Hopefully, they can get 17 games out. I hope Patrick, I, I like Patrick Mahomes, but I hope he does not become one of those that, kind of like how Cam Newton was, Absolutely. how he lit the world on fire when he came into the league, but because Absolutely. he but he just got so torn up. Like if, if yep. Pat Mahomes can take care of his body, he'll be in it for the long run and he can just get better as. For years sure. go on, you know. And I think one thing that's really helped Brady so much is the fact that he's not mobile, oddly yep. enough. And it's not saying that being mobile is a bad thing. It's just you take more hits being mobile. And we all know Brady is not mobile at all. But he has great ball placement. Yep. Um, for the NFC, the Buccaneers are probably going to be the number one contender. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, you know, I, I expect the – 
I expect the Packers to challenge this year mm-hmm. uh, because it's it's not a surprise that Aaron Rodgers will soon be out of Green Bay. Like if he stays in Green Bay past this one season, mm-hmm. I will be shocked. Who are the Rams? What Matt Stafford? Yeah, but I mean, who? What NFC. league are they? NFC. Yeah. Okay, maybe the Rams because they have they have they got they got Matt Stafford. I. I mean, I'm not 100% sure, but they, they have Matt Stafford, which is an improvement. I'm not sold. And the Rams could – for me, They could be a surprise think, team because I, I still got Aaron Donald. Yeah, I think that the Rams' defense is world-class. I don't see enough consistency on their running game and their receiving core. They, they need to step up and they need to get Matt Stafford those weapons that he's always wanted when he was in Detroit. He needs another Megatron. Calvin Johnson's the GOAT. I, I got a friend that I went to Emory Henry with. He's a massive Detroit Lions fan. Oh, I feel massive. bad for him. I feel, I feel so bad for him. He's he's also a Michigan fan, but he really likes NFL more than he does college. And he is a massive Detroit Lions fan. And <laughs> I always hear he goes, well, we ain't winning the Super Bowl this year, but next year, next year. It's on it's on his Twitter bio. It's on his Instagram bio, Super Bowl champs 2022 or whatever, you know. So, all right, so for week one, Bills, Dolphins, who you got? I got the Bills. I mean. Bills, Dolphins? Yeah, Bills, Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are going to come out and surprise a lot of people this year. I don't, I don't know if you can beat – I don't know if you can beat – I, I don't think they could, but I'm picking the upset. I mean, you got Tua on there. If Tua's healthy and, yeah, and if he – Tua makes that second-year leap like how a lot of people are thinking he will. Plus, they have a revamped offensive line. Um, they've got an insane wide receiver talent in Jalen Waddle um, if he's healthy mm-hmm. again. There's a lot of health questions about the Dolphins, but I can see the Dolphins' uh, dark horse wild card for sure. Like surprise a lot of people. Be another dark horse. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, but also don't believe us on our dark horses because we just we both said last week that LSU, <laughs> that LSU and West Virginia were dark horses. So yeah. you guys remember when I said LSU by fifty? <laughs> that didn't happen. Oh, we'll talk about that later on. Um, so getting into the ODAC, what a week for the ODAC! An insane week. I mean, you go five and two, pretty decent. I mean, yeah. Um. I'm surprised. Like Guilford won. Yeah, Guilford won. I was. It was a very close game too. It seemed like a good game. That rivalry game. Um, pretty sure Guilford won. Oh gosh, let me just screw all this up and say that Guilford actually lost. <laughs> uh, uh, no, but I'm pretty sure Guilford won. But but what really surprised me though is that Hamden Sydney lost. You know, mm. your thoughts. I think that this is a bump in the road. Yes, Guilford did win. I think this will not. For me, I think that you got that score prediction right from last week. I just realized that. I think you said twenty-one-seven last week. Well, for for Guilford and Greensboro, and you said you gave Guilford the benefit of the doubt. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure. Wow, dang, we we're pretty we we're pretty decent on our score predictions this past week. I'm insane. Um, anyway, <laughs> I mean that in a good way. Um, no, I think that this is a bump in the road for Hampton Sydney. I don't think that now is the time to panic. I still think it's only week one. Yeah, it's week one. Stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that now would be the time to press in to your players that hey, just because we were solid last year 
does not mean anything. It doesn't mean jack. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of penalties. I think yeah. they were... Uh, I think they... They had over 100... I think they had over 105 yards lost in penalties. Yeah, I, I think they were like second or third all-time Odak for a game for penalties. They It was something. They they didn't do so hot, and I think that's what really hurt them. But also, like, their offensive production, like they, they had 272 yards of offense. Um, Baldwin-Wallace had 377 yards offense. Averaging, they averaged like six yards of play. Hamden-Sydney didn't even average a first down. I mean, well, and 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 see, and uh, Baldwin Wallace didn't either. But that's two more yards, and two more yards adds up. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so I mean, yeah, they just I it was think, a surprise. I think Bald, I think Baldwin Wallace was a little bit better than what. Oh yeah, for than sure. Than what everybody gave them credit for. So uh, let me ask you this: Do you think that our rankings from week one, mm-hmm. or episode one, still stand as they are? Do you want to change anything around? Uh, I don't. I don't know because Farum very well could be in the top three if they keep playing the way they did on Absolutely. Saturday. They, they could. Um, I'm not counting Heaven and Sydney out. It's only week one. Absolutely. Um, Randolph Macon and Bridgewater both won, so like I still think they'll be they'll be the top two this year. Um, Washington and Lee, I haven't seen what they done. Um, Shenandoah did pretty decent. Uh, Guilford did all right, twenty beating up on Greensboro twenty one seven. So called it. <laughs> so I mean, Odak played pretty good football this week. Yeah, I mean that just goes to show you guys mm-hmm. uh, who listen to our episode one podcast what. Me and Owen were talking about, or Owen and I, excuse me, what we were talking about. Uh, there's a lot of good football in Division Three, mm-hmm. specifically in the ODAC. Like, we are massive ODAC fans here. Yes. We think that, you know, um, given enough eyes on the product, it could be just as entertaining as the big schools were. And I think scoreboards this week reflected that, especially well, that Baron Avery. Oh well, talent wise, like they, you know, they like Farum, like uh, Titus Jones reminded me of a, uh, like of uh, Titus Jones reminded me of Pat White in the way that he can run and in the way that he threw the ball. Absolutely, you know. Yeah, and I think we were talking about this before the podcast, and I, I think you said something very similar. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very he looks like if he needs to. Get the first down on his legs. He can do so it. So be it. So be it. He can do it. And he's yeah. got the O-line to back him up. Shout out, Burger. <laughs> we got a good friend who actually might be a guest on the show here in, in a couple episodes. Um, and we'll interview him and ask him how everything's going. Um, but he says, like, uh, Coach Adams is awesome. Just great guy. Said he, you know, he's a really good coach. So, but, um, but yeah, had the O line to really protect them. Running game wasn't terrible. We did have a fumble turnover on fumble, you know, but that's that's one versus Averitz three. Yeah, that's one in four quarters worth of football. As long as you're not, as long as you take the ball away more than you give it up, mm-hmm. I, I think you're solid. You'll win football. Yeah. So, um, very solid. I mean, it was just, yeah. Um, and because of Titus's Jones, the, the, these these Titus's, Titus, Je- yeah, Titus, yeah, okay. Je- because of Titus Jones's stats this week. Just here's some of his stats: twenty-one for thirty, 
in passing in completion attempts. Insane. 57 rushing yards, 239 passing yards. So for that, Titus Jones, you are the Panther Pods Player of the Week. Woo! <laughs> um, uh, we don't have, have a trophy. Um, it's more of just like a feel good. If you're listening, hey, you know, that's for you, bud. Mm-hmm. You did good. We, that just means we think you're good. Congratulations. And but you know, and he's got he's got talent around him with the wide receivers. You Absolutely. Know, Tim Hotay Penn. Hundred. Yeah. I think he had 140. No, 130 receiving yards. Like 131 receiving yards. Um, he, here's what I'll say watching the game. I think Ferrum's offense this year is a lot more varied than it has been in years of the past because I remember when uh, I used to go to Ferrum games all the time and it would literally be run, run, pass on third down if they were out, if they were out of five yards. Yeah. It's yeah. this year, it, it looked like a college style offense. It felt like a college game. Like that, that crowd yeah, it, was amazing. It felt like a big game. It had yeah. that big game feel. So, um, but yeah, no, it was a big game. It felt like a big game. Like people knew. Yeah. It was almost like, hey, this this is it. This is the new rivalry. This is what's, what is going to replace, Emory for Ferrum fans, anyways. Yeah. This is what's going to replace Emory and Henry. And the Cricket Dirt Classic. Absolutely. Yeah. I still think uh, the Emory and Henry game. Uh, it's going to be. Ferrum. It's going to be. I know we talked about it a little bit uh, on episode one. I for sure think that that's going to be an insanely competitive game. Yeah, it's going to be. Um, it's got to have a big emphasis on it. Like I think this is going to be bigger because this is the last time they they'll play each other. Unless Ferrum decides to move to D two, I'd love to see him move to D two. Absolutely. Um, but I think that will take away a lot from the Odak though. Yeah. I mean, I know there's what seventeen we said. There's seventeen. There, there's there's seventeen. Yes, there's seventeen athletic programs. But only after next year, there will only be eight football programs. And that's not to say like somebody like Roanoke or Lynchburg yeah. or um, somebody like Sweetbriar won't have one because they're Absolutely. an all they're an all girls school. Uh, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Just see them girls break. You know, go out there. But um, Sweetbriar. Nine and zero conference play. Oh gosh, that'd be that'd be great. I would love it. That would be great. That would be insane. That'd be awesome. But God, uh, just saying, you know, Rona Lynchburg. Anybody can really bring. Uh, not you can't really bring. It takes a lot to bring back a football program, but but you can bring one back and compete in a in a Division three. You know, it's not high school football. Like these guys are a little bit more talented than high school football players. You know, it's Absolutely. still it's still college football. You still have that rigorous workout. Um, but going back to the Emory and Henry uh, rivalry, um, Averett is definitely it's it's the battle of the South now. You know, it's whew, so. The entire game, it is kind of for the first half, it was kind of back and forth, and then by and then by the third quarter, Farum just like I would say like midway through the third quarter. midway through the Farum just took off. I mean, and they took off a little bit right before because I think they were I think halftime is like twenty one ten or fourteen ten. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Um, but by th- by third quarter, I mean they just took off. They sailed and railed 30, 31 to ten. You know, and then fourth quarter, Averick mounts kind of a comeback and things were starting to get a little chipper by the end of the night which um, is to be expected it's football like we said it's egos and testosterone that's what it needs to be yeah 
Um, and then we just got to talk about this, the freaking fight at the end of it. Like, <laughs> I don't I, – I, and, like, I asked Cole before the game Here, what happened. Disclaimer, mm-hmm. we are not advocating for violence. But – that was awesome. It, yeah, Coach Adams is not going to like us saying that, but for all of us fans, it was it was pretty cool to see. First, get you 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 could feel that. Oh yeah, this is the big game. Like, yeah. and and that just put even more emphasis on it. But here's what I think started it, and I think Ferrum is in the wrong because it, maybe it was just honest confusion. But yeah, I don't know. To a certain point, it didn't look like honest confusion. So at the end of the game. It was a punt return. Uh, Farron punted the ball. Averett catches it, and then all the all the Farron fans and all the Farron players start celebrating everything. But there's still one second left on the clock. So so it goes down, and one second's on the clock. But then the clock runs out. So the ball is down at one second. So Averett has one play to make, and by this point it's thirty-one twenty-four. And I don't know about you, but I was like, boy, if they score. Yeah, and force OT. And force overtime. That is not going to look good that we were sitting there celebrating. <clears throat> so they get things settled out. The the um, the timekeeper puts the clock back on one second. Averett runs a play. Doesn't game's over. You know, Averett doesn't score. I think it was like a drop pass or something like that. They don't score. Well, then it was already kind of confusion of hey, we need you know players were already starting to shake hands. Right there and everything, and they, you know. So after the game, Coach Adams runs out to meet the Averitt's head coach. They shake hands, whatnot, and they walk away. Well, for you know, for a time, Farum starts walking back towards the locker room for a little bit, and they're cheering on the fans, telling them pump up. Well, then one Averitt player came and shook Coach Adams' hand, and I'm, I'm assuming he knew Coach Adams, and Coach Adams stated this too, like he knows 75 percent of that roster because he recruited them. Yeah, you know, so. <clears throat> So, uh, you know, that guy, I think it was number five who was shaking hands. Yep. And then the entire team was like, well, we're going to come on out and start shaking hands. Farum just didn't acknowledge him. I don't know if it was just confusion of, because a lot of them were turned back towards the fans, and then some of them were walking off. But it gets to a certain point when you start bumping into Averitt players and you're and you're intentionally not shaking their hands. I get why Averitt was mad, and I believe Farum was in the wrong for that and boy things got hot and heavy in that stadium as soon as that happened and coach adams props to him man he was in the middle of it i mean dead center busting up players like you know looking at it i don't think coach adams lost control of his football team no no he he it felt it felt like things were going to explode but i don't know how he kept it he just he was in the middle of that, telling them to break it up. So, 100%. And, I, and I told Cole this before, before we started recording. It is so funny. I have never seen a team get so chewed out after a win than what Farum did. I mean, you could have heard a pin drop in the stadium. They all huddled. They all went back to the locker room, came out. We all start cheering for him after Avery leaves, and then. They all sit down, and, I mean, Coach Adams is just letting them have it. I mean, he is chewing them out like they just played the worst game of their life. And it's not because they did play the worst game of their life. They played great football, tackled well, threw the ball well, ran the ball well. Like, it was just – it was they played all around exceptional football. But, I mean, he chewed them out, and I think 
from what I could hear from the stands, because it was you could have heard a pin drop in the stands. What I heard from the stands was that is the last that better be the first time and the last time there's ever fighting on this team. Because if not, you're done. That's I, granted, I couldn't hear very well, but yeah. I that, along the lines, that's something of what he said. And, and honestly, that's a respect thing. Like you. You respect your opponent, mm -hmm. and you don't want to be known as the you don't want to be that's dirty. No, you want to be you want to be respectful, but also play good, hard, clean football. Yeah, you know? for sure. So, and that we, was a bit of a blemish on when we were talking about it. We both said that we understood how, and I mean, we've been advocating this entire time for tough, testosterone-filled, macho football. Mm-hmm. Um, ground to pound, ground yeah, to pound. We get it, like. St stuff happens, mm -hmm. especially stuff like that, where you know they had a insanely physical game. They got chippy. Mm -hmm. It it happens. It, it's football. It comes so, with the territory. Like we said, credit to Coach Adams, uh, especially Coach Adams, for cooling that entire si uh, situation mm -hmm. down. Um, but yeah, no, it it was definitely it was a talking point for sure. Oh yeah, and he but and credit to him for coaching. He had these guys ready. For game one over yeah, the offseason. Absolutely. 100%. Um, but I, I thought it was so funny. I was talking to my parents and I said, he chewed them out. I mean, just chewed them out. It was completely silent. Chews them out and then he prays. He says, all right, bow your heads and just praise, which I thought was hilarious. You know, I'm standing there with a buddy of mine and I'm like, okay, that's, it's, it's kind of funny that like you chew them out. Like, ha -ha. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah, and so and then, and then they had a great time. He was dancing, you know. They then they got to celebrate, but he wanted to make it a point first that like fighting will not be tolerated, and I respect that. Yeah, I respect 100%. that from him. So, um, great game. It was a fun game. They uh, Farum faces off against Christopher Newport at Christopher Newport. Unfortunately, um, this week at six p.m. Sadly, uh, I will not be traveling. I don't. I can't speak. I'm not. No. I can't speak for Owen's plans, but I will not be traveling I've, to that game. Uh, I'd, Christopher Newport's all the way out on the east coast, like what, like at near Virginia, not for near Virginia Beach, but uh, in the same like that far out east. I'm not traveling the whole state just to go see. I mean, I, I could if I was calling the game or something like that for cable twelve or something. You know, I will obviously I'd have to then, but it'd be nice. <laughs> but but don't worry, they. Come back and they play Apprentice at 1 p.m. in two weeks at Farum. So that'll be fun. Um, so that's kind of our recap for Farum versus Averett. And we'll get into uh, Farum versus Christopher versus Christopher Newport later Seeing on the show. You. Seeing you. Yeah. Um, now to the fun part. Do you want to start or do you? I'm offering this to you now as a good person? Do you truly want to go into this? I'll right start. Now? I start because I got a lot okay. of say. I got. Ah! Buddy, here's the deal. <laughs> I am going to sit back in my seat for a little uh -huh. bit and just let you get it out as Lord. much as you need to. Okay, here's the thing. So West Virginia plays Maryland. They lose 31-24 to at Maryland. Boy, that this one hurts. It hurts. Yes, you lose, but there's several things that makes it hurt. Number one, it's the season over. Number two, as as a fan base, you feel like you've been lied to over the offseason because all you've ever heard is Jarrett Dagey's really improved. He's improved his body. He's improved his mental game. He's improved his physical game. He's throwing the ball well. That's all you ever heard out of West Virginia out of camp. 
He gets on there, and I swear he had amnesia. Like, the dude had, it, it almost seemed like he did not know where he was at on that football field. And that's, and I'm not trying to disrespect Jarrett Daigie, but all I'm saying is he has been in, like, I probably should have kids by now as long as he's been in college football. Like, he started out at Bowling Green, then transferred to West Virginia when Neil Brown got there. I just, how in the world, for a guy with that tenure, did he make such poor decisions? Uh, gosh, first, like, it's it's a first, it's a first down for crying out loud. West Virginia's first down, they're in their own territory. Daigie gets flushed out of the pocket, throws it away. Throws it away. Instead of throwing it into out of bounds, he throws it, tries to make a play to a receiver. The rece he's way off target because he's on the move. His feet's not set, and Maryland picks it off. And, I, and oh, it just, it, 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 oh. That, the quarterback play was just, it was infuriating because you can, yes, we have a stout defense, but you cannot rely on your defense to come out there and play 70% of the time while your offense sits back and does nothing. Because if you have a quarterback that cannot throw the ball deep down the field, cannot make good decisions, and is just not, he's, he's not very mobile, and then that makes you one-dimensional of running the ball. And when you're one-dimensional, you lose the game. Be, uh, and, 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 you know, teams, oh, trust me, I know, I know good teams, you're defined, you know, you can be, you're a good team, not because you can run the ball when you have to, you run the ball when you want to the defense, you know, defense may know, Hey, it's first, it's first and a goal. We know they're going to run the ball, but if you can it run the ball and matter. still, yeah, it yeah. shouldn't matter. And at one, and last year it didn't really matter, but it almost felt like it, it, it it had to, you know, like yeah, it was forced a lot more. It was forced a lot more because the quarterback play is not there, and your defense, my, the defense was a little not disoriented, but there's a bit bit of miscommunication on the defensive side for first quarter. You get that cleaned up, but they get tired, and when you play, they had 83, 89 snaps. We we had sixty five snaps the whole game. When they're playing twenty more snaps than you are, and your their def our defense is out there twenty more snaps than what their defensive uh, defense is. Yeah, I mean, it's you just get tired, you know, and it and it just it's oh it's it was just it's infuriating for quarterback play. Now, maybe maybe it was just first game jitters. I don't know, but it was. I think we've seen what we've seen out of Jarrett Daigie, and it's time to move on. I I get it. It's he's he's a senior. This is his. I think this the is last, last year. Yeah. But, the last thing you want to do is yank out a senior in his senior season. But to to your point, I watching that game, I felt like man, W could be something really special, if not for being held down by the quarterback play. I and just like like we said, that could be first game jitters. It, it could just be. You know, getting everything out of your system this game, and you know. But the issue is, is that we've seen this for a year and a half. He's he didn't improve at least for the first game that he didn't. Now we'll see when it comes to play LIU next week. It's an FCS opponent, so that should be a for sure win. Yeah. And if we lose, then I mean, now it's time to panic. It, I don't know if it's time to panic, but this one hurt for Maryland because it's it, we walked in feeling like we should have won. There were ton of Mountaineer fans showed up. I mean, a ton. It might as well have been a home game because they, uh, whenever West Virginia made a big play, I mean, the stadium went nuts. It was it was about fifty fifty for Mar for Maryland fans and West Virginia fans. But it's just it, it was just infuriating from the quarterback play. Now is Garrett Green better? I don't know. I'm not in practice. Maybe Daigie is a better practice quarterback than he is an in game quarterback. Yeah, it could just be pressure. I mean, you. I, you 
you can never factor in pressure in a practice situation. Mm-hmm. You can do your best to do that, but you can't replicate a game uh, a game atmosphere. Yeah, and 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 you know, O line was not great either. We have a, now, granted, we have a freshman at either left guard or right guard, and that's a difficult position to play. Speaking from experience, Mister Mister, um, but you, you know it. Still, I mean, it just. It's infuriating when you walk into a game that you thought you should have won and you don't, and you lose by six points, you know, and it's just, it's infuriating. I hope we can, I hope we can get better, but I I don't, Neil Brown should not be fired. This is technically year two because of how weird last year was. And like me and dad were talking about too, is like, you got to give them at least five to six years for all your recruits to finally feel it. Cause he's still working. Like the seniors now are still Holgerson recruits. Yeah. Any any head coach deserves at least five to six. Yes. And then from there should be three year contracts. Yeah. And just unless you're a Nick Saban, they just know that you're, <laughs> you know, but, you know, I just. Or like an Urban Meyer. Or, or Urban Meyer. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. So, you know, but I don't think it's Neil Brown. I think he, he's coached well. I think there's potential there. He just has to find that right quarterback. Maybe Garrett Green is. I hope. I hope Garrett Green gets a little bit of playing time so Mountaineer, so Mountaineer fans can see how good he really is because you don't want to stick him out there, sit your starting quarterback because of fan pressure, no, and, then, and then your backup comes in and plays even worse than what your starting did because then as a fan base you look stupid. And you don't. And at a time like this for conference realignment, you don't want, with that no. shadow looming, you don't want your fans to show up and just be – you don't want to look bad this no, year, absolutely. and that, and I think that's what hurts the most for West Virginia fans is the fact that we were supposed to win this game and we didn't, and now it puts even more pressure on the Tech game because they just beat UNC, number ten UNC at home. Of course, Lane Stadium was rocking. Oh yeah, it for those of you who did not see the entrance, uh, or for actually, it get, it's no, a mental thing. I, I'm going to rephrase this. For those of you who have never seen a Virginia Tech entrance, or for Inner Sandman specifically, mm-hmm. you need to watch Inner Sandman. Yes. Either live or on YouTube, anything like that. It is so cool. They they are one of the few few schools in the ACC that actually care that have a Big Twelve view of football. And what I mean by that is, no matter how bad they are, they will still debate you on how good their team is. Like Kansas fans. They they will debate you. They 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 will be one and eleven at the end of the year and debate you about how good they are. It's like that, just the it's a football culture, and so that's one. The, so it was you know it, it's a neat it's something you should experience. Um, but now it just puts an inf- now it just puts an emphasis on that tech game and tech comes to Morgantown and you and Morgantown is going to be rocking just like Lane Stadium was, uh, just like Blacksburg was. Uh, for UNC. So, you know, Tech may have a tough time with that home atmosphere. I don't know. I want that Black Diamond Trophy back in Motown, you know. Absolutely. So there are a lot of things, and maybe this is a wake-up call for all, you know, I, I'm I'm trying to keep positive and say it's 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 just week one. It's just, and maybe it's just week one. Our season's not over. For all we know, we could go 11-1 this year. And be in the championship conversation. That'd be great, you know, but we have to improve. And I I think Brown is our guy for now, and I I think he can do – I think he'll do just fine. You just – you got a better quarterback play helps because when one man suffers, we all suffer. 
So it, it's not all, I mean, it's doing, it. you know, it, you moped, I moped around Saturday and a little bit of Sunday. Oh yeah, but, no, I did too. Yeah, but 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 then you realize, all right, we got a game coming up next week. We need to focus on that. We'll be better. We're going to get better. We have things to improve. And it's week one. It's hard to tell what you got and what you don't got because you've gone through fall. You've gone through spring camp, summer camp, and now fall camp, and now you're getting into play. So it's just you've and, and West Virginia. This is also should be mentioned. West Virginia has not played a true road opener since 2005 a true now we've played um at um feel oh what are they called um i can't think of the name neutral neutral fields we've played at neutral oh, sites yeah, yeah. we've played at neutral sites so there's that um we've played at neutral sites but it you know we've never played at somewhere so, you know, but like I said, maybe it's first game jitters. Excited to be back in Morgantown this week. Hopefully we can clean, clean some things up and see some things better out of West Virginia, which gets us more hopeful for Tech. I don't like that I'm going to walk into that Tech game possibly one and one. If we walk in 0-2, oh I mean, Mountaineers, Mountaineer fans are destroyed after that one. We, we'll feel terrible. But I have, a pretty, I, have, I have a good feeling that we'll walk in one and one to that game. Hopefully walk out 2-1. and one. But then you play Oklahoma for conference opener at Norman. Mm. At Norman, that's a tough one. Mm. Yeah, so it's very possible that you go two and two in the season, or one and three, or zero oh and four. I don't want to go one zero oh and four. Oh, absolutely. I don't think we will go one and zero oh and four. But if we go zero oh and four, I mean, that's now you, now you're wondering can we even make bowl eligibility? Yeah. So that's just my little tidbit. Um, yeah. Your turn. I'll sit back now. Um, in episode one, I said LSU blowout city. What I meant... <laughs> we both said it. Yeah. LSU lost 27-38 to freaking UCLA, a basketball school. I think that's fair to say. A Pac-12 school. At they have had historically dominant teams. Do not get me wrong about that. LSU's offensive line needs serious help. Whether or not that is internal improvement, recruiting, what have you. When you have three, sorry, two capable running backs on the roster and the most you can squeak out is 31 yards you're kidding me i know the feeling because we only squeezed out 60 or 70. yeah oh sorry 33 yards combined yeah that 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 makes it all better mm -hmm. uh the bright spot for me obviously was uh max johnson he was insane um, his release time looks a lot better than it did in spring ball. Um, I did think Miles Brennan was going to get the start, um, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about Max Johnson. I think he's going to be uh, very solid. He runs a very pro style. He's comfortable in a pro style offense, and that's what Ed, uh, Ed Orgeron runs. Um, he threw for 330 and three touchdowns. He did have one uh, interception that kind of killed the drive for us that he had a lot of momentum on. 
Um, you know, it, it is what it is. It's, um, our offensive line play needs to get better, especially when it comes to our running game. I don't know if that's the running block, uh, running backs not hitting their assignments, um, or their proper holes, or if, if that's on the offensive line, not blocking for it's a team sport, not it, one person yeah, can. Yeah, exactly. Um, Are you off your soapbox? Are you still need a few more minutes? I, I'm I'm off my soapbox. Um, <laughs> we had we both had a soap mop, yeah. soapbox. Our, our defense looked good. It looked solid. It looked like, you know, ultimately I think this season is going to be more of a wake up call than last season was because we did last season pull off upsets. Uh, it's also a weird year. Yeah. I mean, specifically against Florida, the Fog Bowl will always be one of my favorite games um, I've ever watched. You can also call it the shoe game. They, I mean, there, there's a lot. It was a college football classic. This year, I, I don't know. I mean, I hope that we end up bowl eligible. Um, that's always the goal. If you can't yeah. make a conference, I think that's like first step for – for Neil Brown, not to interrupt Absolutely. you, but no, you're good. But for you know, when Neil Brown came in, he said we're gonna fo- we we're gonna win championships. That's my end goal. Yeah, that's long term. He said, but right now I'm just worried about making bowl eligibility. If we make bowl eligibility consistent, then that's that's great. All right, we've made bowl. You know, like you know, I think you start looking if you make bowl eligibility next year or last year and this year. That's awesome. All right, now start looking towards. Um, Big 12 championships, if there is a Big 12, um, start looking towards conference championships. After you've won conference championships, you need to start looking at na- national championships. you got to take steps at a time. You can't just go, we're going to go be a national powerhouse by the by the time that I've been here for five years. You know, you can't do that. So you got to have a realistic idea. And for LSU, it's hard, too, because you're coming off that high, that, that phenomenal run of 15-0 and 0 with Joe Burrow. And those are not; those are all almost once in a decade quarterbacks. Oh, for sure. I mean, no one's expecting us to win a national championship. No one's expecting us to win a national championship or be the next Alabama. And I hate that I'm comparing my team to Alabama. I hate Alabama, but no one can disrespect greatness. Uh, scratch that. I can disrespect greatness. I hate Alabama. Alabama <laughs> sucks. Uh, Nick Saban is the literal devil. Um, anyway, and Rich Rod is his demon assistant. Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> um, but coming off of that 2019 season and going into this insane new era, you know, Max Johnson was definitely a bright spot. Uh, our wide receiver core looked solid. It looked a lot like a one-man attack uh, with number one for us. Um, his last name's B O U T T E. I don't know if that's booty or boot. I'm pretty sure my Cajun <laughs> heritage it is boot. Boot. Yeah. Um, he looked solid. I mean, he posted 148 with three touchdowns. Uh, all three of Max Johnson's touchdowns were to him. Um, you know it. It's heartbreaking, but it is what it is. Next week we've got uh, McNeese State. Ogeron versus Ogeron. Yeah. Uh, that's a massive storyline heading into this game. Um, Ed Ogeron's son 
uh, is the starting quarterback for McNeese State. Uh, that is an interstate game. Oh, what part of Louisiana not, they're from? Uh, they're from the north. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're not the Cajun area. Yeah, they're no, they're from the north. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I think it's going to be an interesting game. Um, I I hope kind of I'm in I'm in the same boat as you really, where I hope this was kind of week one jitters, especially on our offensive line plan, our running back committee, and especially if LSU doesn't beat McNeese State, much like if West Virginia doesn't beat Long Island. Yeah, it doesn't. You know, no. If, if we lose to McNeese State, I I don't know where I'm going to go as an LSU fan. I'm still going to be an LSU fan. Oh, yeah. No, no. Like, there, there is nothing but loyalty. Um, but it, it's one of those things where you look at that team and you're like, man, if these guys could just come together, it would be great. Yes. Yes. So, <laughs> we both have a... All right. Now the sad part's out of the way. <laughs> Sad part, kind of, yeah. Um, but so speaking of West Virginia and Big 12 conference play, Big 12 had a great week one. We were the only blemish. We went freaking nine and one, and we were the only blemish on that record. And, and I actually called in to Sikkim 365, mm -hmm. um, and I talked about that. And, you know, they said, yeah, West Virginia lost, but they didn't get blown out. They didn't. No, they had a very good game. It was. It was a respectable game. It wasn't a – I'm going to put it to you like this. You didn't lose to Vandy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, let's be honest. Vandy did, played an FCS opponent this this week and lost 23-9. to And yet they're in the <laughs> SEC. And West Virginia is still looking <laughs> – Kansas storms the field by beating by beating a, by beating South Dakota, not South Dakota State, but yeah, South no, Dakota. If if they if Kansas would have beat South Dakota State, that would have been our game for sure. <laughs> but but here's the thing: they stormed the stormed the field after beating them seventeen to three. Granted, a win's a win, but you beat an FCS opponent seventeen to three when Marshall just beaten the brakes off of Navy forty nine to seven. Yep. One hundred percent. So, you know, that's what that's what irritates me is the fact that Vanderbilt is safe and has a has a conference for life and lost to an FCS opponent. <laughs> and West Virginia sitting here. Yes, we lost to Maryland, but also the fifteenth winningest program in college football history, and we're sitting here still looking for a, for a home again. So, but on everything on the up and up, though, you know, Big Twelve did look good. Um. Texas, unfortunately, got a nice little win. Uh, <laughs> horns down. Horns down. 15 yards. That's a 15-yard penalty. I wonder if that's going to be a thing this year. If that, you know, And it's going to be a disgrace if that still is a penalty now that that's all happened. But whatever, whatever. Um, Big 12 news coming out this week and kind of today, really, um, be, it is expected that invitation Big 12 invitations will be sent out to Cincinnati, BYU, UCF, and Houston this week to join the Big 12 by 2023. Cincinnati, as of today, has sent in their application for the Big 12. 
and doing all of the like cordial things uh, or the ceremonial stuff of hey we would like to join this is our and it's expected by either at least tomorrow by the end of the week byu ucf and houston will all have done that as well and invitate it'll be reciprocated with book 12 invitations here's my two cents on this and this kind of leads into my nightmare scenario a little bit yeah realistically i only have one nightmare scenario and that is FCS schools are suddenly thrown into the SEC, the ACC. We'll get we'll get into that. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So, no, you're good. I just wanted to talk about absolutely. It. Um, I my thing with BYU, UCF, Houston, and Cincy. Not necessarily Cincy. I think Cincy is a very competitive program. Well, since it used to be a Power Five, yeah, and then they dropped down. And now they're supposedly coming back up. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the more schools you invite into, the more schools you invite into um, FBS, the more potential you have for boring football. Not necessarily from Maybe. the schools, but it, it's not even judging them for that. If you don't give these programs enough time to mm-hmm. build up, so that that that's my two cents on it. You need to give these programs time. And I like what they're doing with 2023 specifically because that gives them a little bit more time to get those high name Supposedly, recruits. that's yeah. the cordial, oh, that's the politicking of it. Um, here's what I say. If you, bring more F, if you bring more FCS teams into the FBS, you start to lose the thing of SCS or SCS. SEC in the fact that okay we're not those teams aren't getting cut no more you know like it's not a yeah. fin for yourself thing which I in my opinion that's what it's like is you bring in more FCS teams you have more FBS teams because of that all of a sudden SEC doesn't control the entire half of college football you know which I know you think it's great, I don't, you know, but whatever. SEC is the best conference. Why shouldn't they control half of all college? Because players? then it becomes a league. It be, then it becomes a a league and not a conference anymore. And it's no, it's now it's it's going to be like NFL and what the XFL was, but SEC and then college football. And I don't, yeah, I don't fair. like that. I don't like that. And and people, I don't think people would like unless you're an SEC fan. People don't, uh, you know, majority of college football fans wouldn't like that. So maybe, um, I think it's, I think like, here's the thing. I don't view BYU as a group of five solely because they're independent. I think that's what saves them in my opinion is that they're independent. It's so that, always hard to judge independent schools. And we, we talked a little bit about this in episode one, uh, specifically with Notre Dame. It's always hard to judge independent schools just based on strength of schedule. Yeah. Because you get a lot of these independent schools who play really good teams half of the year, and then the other half, they're playing the Vandys. They're playing Kansas. They're playing... FCS opponents. Yeah, FCS opponents. And, you know, it... But then, you know... It's difficult to judge. It is difficult to judge. Um, So, I mean, BYU does it. I'm I'm not super excited, but I'm also not bummed. I'm kind of just neutral about them. Like, okay, yeah, that's cool. Like, you know, they're BYU. They're out west. Um, I'm excited for UCF and Cincy and in the fact that it gives West Virginia a bit of a travel partner. Absolutely. Uh, in the same times, yes, you can you can bus down to UCF, but that's a 12-hour bus ride, but at least they're in the same 
time zone now, yeah. you know, but it's only an hour flight. Yeah. So and you're in the same time zone and you don't. Of, this kind of brings it back to uh, your All-American conference from last week. Oh, yeah. my The Great American Conference. Yeah, the Great American. Sorry, not the All-American, the Great American Conference. Yeah. It kind of brings it back to that where, you know, um, you have a lot more room, specifically mm-hmm. with BYU and Houston and also UCF. I mean, those are two teams that are on the west side of the United States and then two teams that are on the east side and one that's in the north. With, well, since, since he's right there in the yeah, same, in yeah. northeast. Yeah, I mean they're in the same. They're right there with West Virginia, like yeah. they're you know. So you know, and Cincy's an old Big East rival, so people are excited to have. Absolutely. I, West Virginia fans are excited to have Cincinnati back as an opponent because Absolutely. we played them. However, it doesn't stop there with the Big Twelve news. Apparently, this week it's only four teams. Next week, or possibly by the end of this week, um. It could be two more teams and bump it up to six teams that they invite. And instead and once Oklahoma and Texas leave, instead of having it a fourteen uh, instead of having it a twelve team conference, it now becomes a fourteen team conference. So would you call it the Big Fourteen? Please change the name. Like that's what I'm saying. I if you're gonna call it the Big Twelve, add four teams and that's it. Personally, I don't think the best four were chosen. I think three of the best four were chosen. I think Cincinnati, UCF, and BYU were the best. Were the Houston was not because in and you can talk about well their history they're competitive and whatnot their market and their TV market and da 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 but recently they have not been I'm looking nope. back I'm looking back at least five years at the most um, but like within the past two years they haven't had a winning season and recruits walking out on Holgerson during it, his first season so it's like I don't it doesn't make sense to. For the Big 12 right now, it makes sense to get the most eyes on the product as possible. And Houston has, I mean, they got a good market and they got brand new facilities and everything. But personally, Memphis is also a huge city. Absolutely. Go grab Memphis. They seat 60,000. That is as much as what West Virginia seats. A little bit less. I think West Virginia seats like 65. I want to say like 65. 65 yeah, or right. something. But you're, you're, that's power, that's, that is power five seating. That you're going to have sixty thousand people in that stadium. I I personally think that the best four are Cincinnati, BYU, UCF, and Memphis. Memphis instead of Houston. I'll agree with that. Um, here here's what I'll say in defense of Houston, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, they do bring that old school pedigree. Oh uh, yeah, old Southwest Conference pedigree kind of deal. Bring back the Southwest Conference. I mean, it was awesome. Um, anyway, that's, that, that's another soapbox that yeah. I'm not going to stand on right now. <laughs> um, would you join the, would LSU join the Southwest? No. Okay. But then why bring it back? <laughs> because it was awesome. It was an all-Texas conference. <sighs> all right, whatever. Anyway, here, in, in defense of Houston a little bit, I, I think that Houston gets a lot of slack, but once – news finally breaks that they have joined a Power 5 conference, Mm -hmm. I think that they will get better recruits because ultimately recruits are going to go where they can get publicity and hopefully make that next step into the NFL. I'm calling it now. Houston becomes the new Texas for the Big 12. And the fact that, like, we're back, kind of, you know. Um, So, yeah, whatever. Horns down. 
whatever. It's still going to be horns down. It's still going to be horns down forever and always. However, but what I was going to say is the next two teams that they're looking at are Boise State and Memphis. So Memphis does get is looking to get added. Uh, it's rumored they're looking to get added. Boise State, all right, but that's Pac-12 country. You yeah. know that. I mean, that's way out west. You're, you're really getting into the travel time and logistics and that. Yeah, like that's almost a three-hour time difference if they if West Virginia or uh, Boys, UCF or, or yeah for UCF Cincinnati or West Virginia or even Memphis that's yeah. like that's for Memphis I think it's two hours yeah, for Memphis it's two for everyone else it's three yeah and for for the for the peop for the uh, Midwest teams it's not that big of a deal you know yeah. but I don't I don't want Boise in there I, I don't think it's not because I don't think they're competitive but I just think they fit better with Pac twelve absolutely geographically of course now with West Virginia being in there geographics don't you know. Geography doesn't matter. I just don't. For West Virginia fans and Boise fans, you should be very wary of that. In the fact that, like, eventually every other year, though, each team has to travel to one another. Yep. And do you? And does it's gonna, basically their home games are going to be one hundred percent one team or the other? Yeah, because not a whole lot of. Let me rephrase that. Some crazy diehard. Mountaineer fans will go to that game, or there's there 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 are Mountaineer fans in Idaho too, you yeah, know, and I'm sure there's Boise fans in West Virginia. But you're not going to get the exact turnout that you want yeah. when you get like because if West Virginia and Virginia Tech play, that's a two hour no, that's a one hour drop. No, 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 oh, no, 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 no. that's like, that's four or five hours. But still, that's a drive. So, I'm in Princeton. My bad. Yeah, no, no, Prin My yeah, no. Prin Princeton, Princeton is about an hour, to an hour and a half, you know, something like that. From, yeah. but no, Morgantown is all the way up at Pennsylvania. But still, like four or five hour drive. No, that's yeah. not that. No, especially for like we we proved it. We proved it for the Maryland game. Like half the stadium was West Virginia fans. Yeah, that filled it up. And and, and we were and I think that's too going back to that is like why it was so disappointing is we finally got a a. Treat, a geographic home game that we, or away game that we could all go to and travel. Mountaineer fans, Absolutely. we travel, but we don't travel that far. I mean, that's just too much travel. Yeah. And also, too, you want your you want your volleyball team to go out and play in Idaho and Boise on a Wednesday night or have Boise come over here and have your men's soccer team play on a Tuesday, Thursday night, something like, you know, so it's like, uh, it, I don't know. A lot of people are really against Boise. Yeah, I, I can see why. Just because I mean, of the travel. Just, yeah, it doesn't make sense travel-wise. So, but, yeah, so I just, uh, thanks for looking up. There's more than a pulse now. The, I mean, the Big 12 is a, uh, is now alive and well. There are still people, one dude in specific, Golden Blue Dude, If you find, he's on YouTube. He, I mean, he is dead set that West Virginia is going to the ACC. Dead set that they're going to the ACC. I would still love that. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. Right now, it doesn't look too promising. Yeah, I mean, West Virginia to the ACC, would, and, and I said this before in episode one, it would essentially be bringing back the Big East. Yeah. Like, there's going to be some teams missing, but you're going to have local Wait. opponents that you can travel that mm -hmm. eight-hour drive maximum. Yeah. Or two-hour flight. Maximum. Maximum. If that, so but that you know, with all this realignment talk, that now brings us into Cole's nightmare situation. I, I gave my dream situation last week. Cole will give his nightmare situation so this week. Last week you had three. In Did my I, opinion, no, I had two. I thought okay. Last week Owen had two. 
in my opinion, there's only there's a lot of ways you can screw it up. Um, I think that, and I kind of touched base on this a little bit earlier. Um, I think that the worst possible scenario would be saying, hey, Oklahoma and Texas, you can go ahead and go to the SEC this year. What that's going to do is... You get that buyout money. Yeah, they will. Yeah, with all those TV deals and contracts that they've got. Um, what that's going to do is cause the Big 12 to scramble. And it's... it. They won't get any kind of fair compensation. Like, unless... Speaking as a LSU fan, what I am most scared about for college football is that they give teams like Sensi, like Houston, Memphis, very competitive and exciting teams, UCF, four years ago, where all of you ask any of their fans, they wanted Bama. I wanted to. Be, I wanted them to have Bama. I would have loved nothing. Instead, they got LSU and we smacked them. But you had Joe Burrow at the time. No, no, no. Oh, what? Oh, okay. That was uh, that was all Leonard Fournette, baby. Ah, yep. Gotcha. Um, I think Joe Burrow was on the roster, but he wasn't starting. But yeah. Anyway, um, my nightmare scenario essentially boils down to Big Twelve fully dissolves this year and uh, you mean after this year after this football yeah season? after after this football Just mid-season season. hey by the way <laughs> hey we by done. the way there's no more conference um <laughs> you're playing for nothing uh good luck no um after this season the big 12 fully dissolves those teams are either forced to step down to group of five or they're forced to – so let's take West Virginia. They are either forced to go to the SEC. Not going to happen. The ACC, which is more likely. Or they are forced to gather the remains of the Big 12 along with some FCS schools and form their own conference. It just won't be exciting football to watch. You don't you don't think they'll go to the American? I can't see them going to the American conference. I would see the SEC more than the American conference. I'll put it to you like that. And you know, they almost did go to the SEC back. I would have loved it. They um yeah, I didn't know this, but apparently they were in like it was going to happen. It was going to happen, which would have been great now. Maybe not for our record because our record would have been a little rough. I think we could have been competitive. We could have competed <clears throat> with Tennessee, Vandy, and Kentucky. Oh, yeah. Art, we could have competed with Arkansas. Like there's teams in there that we could have competed with. Um, but I, I didn't know this is that they they were in talks with the SEC and ESPN screwed that deal up because it makes sense because SEC was like, no, we're going to go grab West Virginia. It's going to you know, it's going to do well with Tennessee and Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Yeah. And then ESPN said, how about Missouri? And they grabbed Missouri instead of us. So that's why we ended up in the Big 12. Um, for some reason, and this is really odd, Don't and, 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 like, I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. I don't think this will happen. But 
But I do in the fact that like I have a gut feeling ever since this happened is that West Virginia will go to the Big Ten. Why? I don't know, but that's that's just a gut feeling. It makes no sense. I mean, regionally it can make sense, but it makes no sense academic-wise because you have to be an AAU affiliate. So, but I just have that thing in the back of my head or in my gut feeling that's that like a lot of money that West Virginia would have to invest, especially because Big Ten you have old money teams in the Big Ten. Michigan, yeah, Ohio State, Michigan State, Purdue, Wisconsin, Minnesota. You know, so it it. Um, I think that the current plan is not really a nightmare scenario. I think it's a good scenario mm-hmm. because ultimately the Big Twelve stays together. Mm-hmm. But continue with the rest of your nightmare. Um. So basically, my scenario is that you have teams like Memphis, specifically Memphis, or West Virginia. Or any kind of Cincy. Let's take Cincy. That's a good one. You have teams like Cincy who, if they want to make that next step up, they don't have any kind of leverage in their own area to not have to join the Big Ten. What do you mean? Like they don't have a rival conference. Where are they going to go besides the Big Ten? ACC? Are you, t- are, you, are you saying Big? Are you meaning Big Ten or Big Twelve? No. So what I'm saying is the Big Twelve dissolves. Okay. Where is? And for the sake, for all intents and purposes, we'll say after 2024, mm-hmm. things don't work out. Cincy, Houston, UCF, and BYU are all in the Big Twelve now. We'll leave out Boise State and Memphis for now. Okay. Let's just take those four teams because they were former FCS teams. No, they're they're group five. Oh. FCS is like JMU, North Dakota State. My bad. Edit. Um <laughs> no. Um, but no, we'll uh let's take a look at that for a second. Where are they going to go beyond that? Besides stepping back down to group of five and just dominating. Yeah, they'll just stay they'll just stay in group of five. Yeah. That I mean, they could they could go the ACC, but the ACC wants Notre Dame. They're yeah. not gonna they're not gonna take absolutely. Not. You know, it they just, they can make the jump. I mean, Cincy maybe Cincy and West Virginia go to the Big Ten, maybe yeah. maybe. But I you know, it, I, there's a lot of room for error, mm-hmm. and ultimately, I think this plan will work specifically for West Virginia uh, because ultimately you're losing your two biggest schools like fan Rev- base wise and well, revenue wise revenue wise competition wise for Oklahoma not so much for Texas yeah because Texas is perennial we'll get them next year yeah but it, I mean to sum it up my nightmare scenario is the Big 12 dissolves fully and leaves these teams in the dust and they either have to step down a group of five or are forced to join other conferences to remain competitive. Yeah, I think I think Kansas basketball goes somewhere. I think oh, Kansas nice. basketball goes to the ACC. I say Big Ten because they're they're that AA they're that AAU um, they're that AAU affiliate. Uh, but I, I'm I would be afraid that they would take a step way down and go to FCS. Um, 
Yeah, I. Yeah, that would be my night nightmare scenario. Would be for Kansas to take an F go down drop to FCS. Um, and I think for the rest of them, it's just go to a group of five. Yeah, absolutely. Because I don't. I, um, can and, and here's the thing too, and, and this is apparently there's a couple of lawsuits going up up north that uh, players are suing because they're not treated as employees. I don't think paying college players is going to get somewhere because I think eventually people are just going to not watch if that happens. But if you cannot pay pay your players like a contract, like what the NFL does, then um, you're just like they're going to lose athletics overall. Like Vanderbilt won't have athletics no more. Kansas won't have athletics no more. Um, Kansas basketball will still exist. But that's but that'll be the only athletic program they have, you know. So, but. I don't think that, you know, that's just kind of a sign note, real rabbit yeah, hole. But, absolutely. But yeah, nightmare scenario, I, I agree with you, is they either go group of five. Yeah, I mean, or, you these know. teams are just left in the dust and they're forced to go to group of five or drop down mm -hmm. in competition instead of sticking together. I know. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see. So, um, you know, but let's let's talk about the AP poll now. You know, <laughs> we go from conference realignment to AP top twenty-five. Uh, I feel like we got we got really quiet for that. I don't know <laughs> for the conference realignment got real heavy for that. But uh, it got dark. It, it got, got dark. depressing. Um, Can we not talk about number one? <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw that out right now. Can we not talk about number one? Everyone, anyone who is listening to this podcast, they already know who's number one. Who's number one? And I hate it. I absolutely hate it. AP they Paul. deserve it. I'm going to say that right now. They deserve it. Alabama. Yeah. It does not mean that I have to like it. No. I hate it. No. Especially when you whoop up on another number fourteen, Miami, and drop forty four on them. How? How? Only forty four. Only 44. Anyways, Georgia goes up to number two. I kind of agree with that. You beat 100%. You beat Clemson. You beat Clemson, and that was that was old school football. That Tim. was smash mouth football. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Ohio State. Yeah. Ohio yeah. State is always hard to judge. Yeah, I mean, you almost lost to Minnesota. But here's the thing: I I, I agree with them over Oklahoma because it's Minnesota. Minnesota yep. is Minnesota's a Power Five team, and they're a pretty decent team. They have 100%. been. 100%. Oklahoma number four, they kind of took a big drop, so to speak. Um, yeah. I mean, you you win by five to two lane. That's a little scary. You know, the fact that you're trying to go to the, SC, the SEC. If you can't compete with two lane, then, I mean, you'll be down in the bottom with uh, Vandy. But but here but here's the thing. If you – but is is it that Oklahoma made some mistakes or – was two lanes that good. Or two lane was good and was making that comeback and they just ran out of time. I mean, it, it's hard to say. Um, number five, Texas A&M. Who did they play this week? I don't know who they. I think it was just. I think it was in a uh, group of five schools. Yeah, somewhere. I'm pretty sure it was a group of five. They won. Jimbo Fisher got his contract extension. He was also a West Virginia. He was a coordinator at West Virginia. Yep. Um, offensive coordinator. Offensive coordinator. OC. Clemson should have dropped lower. Should have dropped lower. You lost. I'm sorry. I mean, I get it. You you dropped to Georgia, so I get the loss. But the fact that Cincinnati is below you and Cincinnati. I mean, blew the snot out of Miami, Ohio. Yeah. I mean, just blew the snot Cincinnati out of them. Cincinnati deserves either that six or that five spot. 
I, I would. I hope they make the four. If West Virginia can't make it, I hope it's them. And I would. The, how how wild would it be if Cincy went, goes on to win it? You know, that would be insane. You that go, would be awesome. That but if you're a, for yeah, exactly. This is why we love college football. But if you last year were in the shootout with Georgia and almost won, yeah, clean up a couple mistakes, and, and maybe it's just the fact that Georgia is just it gets to a point where you can work all you want, but sometimes the talent is what pushes it over the limit. Sometimes you're just they they have more talent. Yep. And that's okay. That's okay. You played your heart out, Absolutely. you know. I think Cincinnati put on a great showing. They look like they're going to do good again this year. Notre Dame, uh, who they played this year? I don't even know who they played. But they, oh, 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 they played um, Florida State went into overtime. Yep. I forgot about that. that oh yeah, because oh yes, because Mackenzie Milton, yep. rest in peace, Bobby Bowden. Um, Bobby, yes, I wish he would have stayed at West Virginia, knowing that he did what he did at Florida State. I wish he, but I think I think he was from Florida and yeah, he was so. Originally. So I get it, but um, Notre Dame. Does that mean Notre Dame's bad, or does that mean Florida State's good? This is the thing with yeah. with well, this is the thing with week one, but it's also the thing with again going back to independence. You don't know strength of schedule. Iowa State got a little bit of run for their money with um, Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa is one of those teams that can jump up and bite you if you're not careful. One hundred percent, they're a dangerous opponent. Yeah, they can. They're one of those FCS FCS teams like North Dakota State or JMU that could. Come up and bite you a little bit. Iowa, Iowa's number ten. Don't really have a whole lot to say. The wave at because uh, that's yeah, that's their tradition. They wave yeah. the channels. That is so cool, and I'm so glad that's. Bad. West Virginia kind of does that now. The football players do it. Um, so where we tailgate at, they just they there's a hospital just right there, pretty much in the tailgate lot. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so um, when the players do their man trip, they get up to the stadium steps and then they wave to the kids at the children's hospital and then walk in. I always think that's great to see. Nice. Shows the humanity. Um, Penn State was in a wild game with Wisconsin. That was a pretty cool game. Oregon had a bit of a scare with Fresno State. I think Oregon should have dropped. I think um, so too. Just because if you're going to be in the AP Top 25 – there's games that you are expected to win. And I understand why LSU got knocked out of the top 25. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we, we get to talk about them. We'll talk about, about yeah, coming up. Um, but, you know, it's it's one of those things where you should win games that you're supposed to win. Yeah. So um, they were supposed to win, but it, it almost seemed like, and they talked about this on ESPN, it almost seemed like they were in that mindset of, we're looking forward to a higher state yeah. this way. You know, they're, you know, so. Yeah, they're looking towards the future instead of focusing on the game. Yeah, Florida, um, they beat the snot out of FIU, Florida Atlantic. Hey, Andrew was at that game, by the way. Really? Yeah, because he's down in Disney World. Uh, shout out to Andrew Robertson. Yep. Um, USC beat San Jose State. Yep, saw that. Texas beat ULL. And for people, yeah, but for people, people saying that was that was like not surprising, but they said that was good. You know, is that mean? You know, ULL beat Iowa State last year, so ULL is not a bad Louisiana Lafayette is not bad. And uh, rounding out the uh, top seventeen, Coastal Carolinas. In its <laughs> no, 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 uh, no. You got. I, I don't see it. Oh, that it. looks like a misprint. No, yeah, UCLA Dang. replaces LSU at number sixteen. Let's just look up that score for the uh, the game. Let's go. Oh. UCLA Bruins football. What is a Bruin? Anyway. It's something that's blue and gold. Something. 
Ah, yes. They beat LSU 38 to 27. I already talked about this. 11 points. 11 points. Ed Orgeron, I love you. I'm not blaming you. And it was practically home game anyways, too, because LSU fans were the only ones that showed up. <laughs> Ed Orgeron, I'm not blaming you. No, no, I don't think it's Ed Orgeron. Um, Coastal Carolina, I like Shocking. I don't think it's shocking. I think pretty good little team. Them and Liberty, they lit the world on fire last year. They were some of the best games to be played. So Coastal Carolina, um, they're one I think that can make the jump possibly to – 100%. They're down there in Myrtle Beach. So yeah. I think they got that would be an insane party school. Like if they made the jump, it, it already one. is an insane party school because it's it's Myrtle Beach now that you yeah, know they're dirty Myrtle. Oh, no. Wisconsin they drop because because uh, they lost to Penn State in a yep. good game. Good game. Here we go, Virginia Tech at number nineteen because they beat UNC. I get it, you beat number. I mean, but 19? 19? Yeah, that's that's a little. High. I'm gonna say the twelfth man was on that was there that night 100%. with Lane Stadium. I mean, Lane Stadium was rocking, and they didn't stop rocking. I want to see the Richter scale for that because they've always said they're always proud about how when they do the jump, mm-hmm. the Richter scale starts going off. Um, Ole Miss, be- Ole Miss, <laughs> Ole Miss beats uh, Louisville. Yeah, it's like I was in the 40s or something like that. I was watching that game. Uh, Utah, U- Utah's number 21. Uh, Miami lost. Uh, lost to Alabama. That's yeah. uh, and they dropped from 14th to 22nd. I I think that you could you can make the case for Miami to um, swap places with Tech. Yes, because you lost. Okay, you lost, but you lost to the number one team. But I think it's how they lost. That's that wide score. Yeah, you know, 100%. UNC drops all the way from 10th to 24th. That is a huge Oh, yeah, drop. that's 14 places. Yeah. And then Auburn rounds out with uh, the – Auburn rounds out the 25th spot. Some teams that received votes. Uh, TCU received 80 votes. North Carolina State, NC State received 69. UCF received 61. Liberty – Received fifty-seven. Michigan or LSU received fifty-seven as well. So you got you got some votes. You're in the top six. Michigan received fifty-two. Oklahoma State received thirty-nine. Indiana thirty-seven. Michigan State twenty-eight. Nevada twenty-three. Kansas State thirteen. Louisiana Lafayette twelve. BYU ten. Boston College eight. Ball State seven. Maryland six. UAB 5, Arizona 5, Florida State 4, Kentucky 3, Army 2, Texas Tech 2, and App State 1. Go App State! <laughs> yeah. So, uh, there's that. Um, yeah, some wild drops, but it it's happens. Week one. It's I week mean, 1. We probably won't have a consistent AP Top 25 until week 4, week 5. Something, something like that, yeah. When the, when the college football playoff rankings – I'm not going to lie. I don't get why they go off the college football playoff rankings during – like it doesn't really matter because like it's only the four teams. Like just give me the four teams. I don't care about the rest of the 25. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. Uh, Yeah. So, uh, speak, you know, now that we've got Top 25 – it's time to review or preview week two for West Virginia and LI uh, for West Virginia and LSU. So West Virginia, it's our home opener against LIU, Long Island University. 
Um, it is the 20th anniversary of 9-11, so West Virginia is going to do something a little special to honor the seniors because they didn't get a, the, the 2020 to honor the 2020 seniors because they didn't get a proper senior night. And we're also going to do a little something to honor all the Long Island folks um, because of their because 20 years ago they lost several people in the terrorist attacks. Um, so it's going to be it's, I think it's going to be a hard day. It's it's kind of rough that football is on a tragic day. Um, but yeah, so I, I expect to see a lot of memorials and things like that. Um, I expect West Virginia to bounce back. It's home game. It makes you feel good. You get juiced up, things like that. So I, I'm expecting West Virginia to have a good game, bounce back. They had a wake-up call from Maryland. Um, I predict West Virginia is going to win. Give me the score. I'm not going to, I'm not going to guess the score. I don't want to guess the score. Uh, West Virginia is going to win. 35-14. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm not going to guess the score because I don't want to be like, hey, by the way, you know. Um, Fair enough. But, yeah, but I, I think West Virginia wins. Um, LSU, as said, we've got McNeese State. The main storyline going into that game is uh, Orgeron v. Orgeron. Um, how is our offensive line going to respond to – our frank embarrassment in week one against UCLA. Um, and then how is our running game? How, how is our offense other than our quarterback going to respond? Because other than them, or other than him, he did not, everyone else did not. Um, same for you. Give me a score. So 44 to 10. 44-10? LSU wins. You think LSU's going to win? Uh, yeah. Absolutely. 100%. So, holy crap. All right. So, now, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so, now, no freaking way. Oh. For, oh. Okay. So, apparently, it's a bye week for Farrell. I did not know this. I need to look at the schedule a little bit more. That's my fault. Um, wow, I did not know that. Okay. So, yeah, we're looking at the schedule. I didn't realize that it was a home. Dang. No, what did I hit? Yeah, it should be it. Huh. Yeah. It is a bye week for Farum already. That is bad on our part. Uh, but then again, we were just looking at the schedule, so forgive us, please. But anyways, we can do a preview of Christopher Newport. Uh, Christopher Newport actually beat Washington in the league uh, last week in a close game, 28-24. Uh, they play Averett at Danville, um, or at Averett. So um, I say CNU gets the win over Averett. I think, it, I think it could be a shootout maybe. If they had a shootout with Washington, I think it would be a shootout with Averett. Averett needs to improve on some quarterback play. I think that Averitt bounces back. Um, I think it for sure is still going to be a shootout. Um, but I, I don't see Blowout City either way. I think it's going to be a good type game between mm -hmm. the two programs, uh, especially with CMU um, shooting out with Washington Lee. That's surprising. I'm going to say Christopher Newport wins 28-24. to 24. Uh, I will flip that mm. and say Averitt wins – 30 
we'll say 32-28. Mm. 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 Okay, interesting. So, so we so next week we'll preview the Ferrum game at Christopher Newport. Very excited about it. Both have played Averett so far. Yes. Uh, Averett's going to be kind of our guinea pig uh, for that game. Which is nice. You get rested up for a little bit. Um, absolutely. Uh, but I do, I think Averett is going to be a nice fit for the ODAC next year. I'm 100%. excited to have them. Especially the after that first game. Yes. Um, not It didn't necessarily light the world on fire, but it was very exciting football to watch. Yes. It was a very good game. The crowd was into it. So if you're a Farum fan, Come out, come out and support 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 Black Hat football. One hundred percent. Do it. It's I mean it's a great atmosphere, great time. It's it's really enjoyable. It feels like a college game. Last week it yeah. it felt like a college game. Saturday Absolutely, felt like a college every game. game will feel like a college game. Yeah, that's gonna kind of wrap it up for this week. So episode two next week, Farron plays Christopher Newport. At Christopher Newport. Very one, excited to give you guys a preview of that. Yes, it's 1 p.m. on Saturday, September 18th. Um, so we will not be there for that game. Sorry. No, but we will be at the try to be at the Apprentice game on um, the 25th. I may be out of town that weekend. Actually, my cousin is graduating from boot camp. So congrats! That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, he's a Marine now. Sweet. Yeah, he just got over his crucible, so much love to him. Uh, so, yeah, I think that about does it for this week. Absolutely. I'm Owen Spelnick. My name's Cole Connor. And this is the Panther Pod.